Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Let's open up our Bibles tonight, um, and we're going to look at the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. I've had this passage of scripture on my heart for quite some time and felt led tonight to dive into it. Romans 12 and verse number one through two. Uh, For those of you who are taking notes, you can write this down. Um, For those of you who are not taking notes, it'd be a great idea for you to still write this down or put it in your notes. Your life tends to move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Your life tends to move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. And for the believer, according to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit belongs to the Lord. Your flesh is tempted by the enemy. Your soul is the decider of which one you will yield to. And God, in his power, works to try to make your soul yield to your spirit The enemy works to make your soul yield to your flesh. And which one you give your life to will have everything to do with the course of your life. Your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. And so we have to guard our heart. We have to guard our mind. We have to come to this place where we think on proper things. Uh, Romans hits at this big time. Uh, So let's look at it here. Romans 12, first he tells us to do something with our bodies, and then he tells us to do something with our minds. Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, and this is what we just did, honestly, in worship, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice um, that is holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Does that make sense of how that's just what you just did? that you presented your body as a living sacrifice, that there's many things you could do with your body or many places you could have taken it tonight, but you brought it to church and you offered it as an an act of worship unto the Lord, that you did not let your body just do whatever it wants to do, but you put it under and you made it lift its hands and you made it sing out and you made it give things. This is the first step to proving what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is you learning to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, But then it tells us to not just do something with our bodies. It tells us to do something with our minds. And watch this in verse number two. And do not be conformed to this world. One translation says, don't be fashioned after this world. Now, watch this, and let's read slowly through it, and let's talk about kind of each word in it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, there's so much here, but one thing I want you to see very clearly from Romans 12 and 2 is do you see the will of God is not automatically going to happen in your life? Um, Just because God wants it for you does not mean you will walk in it. You have to do something. And the first thing you have to do is you have to present your body as a living sacrifice. And if you don't do that, you will not see the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You must come to a place where you make your body yield to the Spirit and you offer it up as an act of worship. But then he says, you need to do something else with your mind in order to walk in the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And if you don't do it with your mind, you will not. And he said, you need to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not let the world tell you how to think. About what? Anything. Don't let the world train you about family. Don't let it train you about marriage. Don't let it train you about what it is. Don't let it identify with you. Don't be trained from sitcoms and all these things about what these things should look like. Do not allow the world to fashion you according to its model, to tell you how to think about money, to tell you how to think about church, to tell you how to think about pastors, to tell you who to cancel. Do not allow the world to tell you and to fashion you after its mold. Instead, you are to renew your mind and to come into a place where you bring in the, uh, the new and you take out the old. Now, let me, let me back up real quick. Notice this word, and do not be conformed or fashioned after this world, but be transformed. Now, let's just stop there with that word transformed. Literally, if you look this up um, in the Greek, what this is talking about, and, and you can do this, and I encourage you to do it, get the Strong's app on your phone. Strong's on your phone, um, and it, it will give you the Bible. You can hit, read the Bible, click the word, and it will give you the actual meaning in the Hebrew and the Greek. For the most part, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. Um, and it will tell you, like, here's the words of what this means. And this word, transformed, literally means metamorphosis. Um, changing entirely, physically, from one thing to another. The closest thing we would think uh, is like there are some uh, animals and insects and things that go through a metamorphosis. You know, you hear the, the image of like the caterpillar to the butterfly. I'll use a different one. How about a tadpole to a frog? Come on, somebody. Getting creative. Um, but you see it transformed from something that it, it, it's just so basic and a tadpole into something full grown as a frog. Like a complete change physically. You're looking at it in one stage of life, and you're looking at the next, and there's a complete transformation. Uh, Now, literally, Scripture's telling you, I'm about to tell you how to change your physical life. This is not like acute spiritual change that before you were a little rude and now you're nicer. Like, that's great. But what this is talking about is literally you are changing from the inside out. I mean, from a Saul to a Paul, from a Simon to a Peter, uh, from a Jacob to an Israel, that there is a change in you. Um, and I love that, that passage of scripture where it's like Joseph is looking at his brothers and Joseph sees his brothers after 16 years and he recognizes each one of them. But they look at Joseph and they do not recognize him because he changed so much. 
And this should be the way it is with us, is that we are changing as we, we behold the glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image, that we are not left the same, that we are growing in Jesus and growing in God and the way we are transformed. And, and some of you, you have changes in your life you'd really like to make. Um, and there are physical changes about things that you may want to see change in a relationship or change about your health or just change in any arena of life. And the Bible's telling you, I'll tell you how to transform. You want to transform? Yes. Okay. You've got to renew your mind. Well, somebody says, well, what in the world does that mean? Your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Before you experience it physically, you thought about it mentally. Uh, Before you saw it out here, you thought about it in here. Before God or the enemy got it out here, it happened in here. And so if you want to change what's happening out here and what you're experiencing, you have to address what is going on in here. And, And what this literally means, and for many of you, especially if you're young, you hear like the deconstruction of faith. Literally what this means is deconstruction. Is that you understand that there are some things in you that are not of God. And there's some thoughts in you that are not of the Lord. And you are deconstructing those thoughts out of you and instilling something new. That it's like if you've ever watched any of those uh, home makeover shows or that kind of thing. My wife was like on a roll with these the other day. And, and so you just come in and it's like, what are we doing? We're knocking out the wall. I'm like, please don't give her any ideas, Lord. Like, you know, get a project. Uh, But like you you come in and you see like these remodels or these reconstructions or these deconstructions that before the new comes in, the old comes out. And it addresses, I don't like this anymore. Something in here does not match where we are trying to go. And so I have to tear out the old to make way for the new. Literally, this is what this means, is that you address in my life, there are some limiting beliefs in me. There are beliefs in me that are not of God. They're not of his word. And maybe they came from parents, or maybe they came from friends, or maybe they came from a sitcom, or maybe they they came from a politician, or maybe they came from anybody else. But when you get in God's word, you see this confront that. And it says when you have an option of this confronting that, you tear out that old and you put this in as the new. And what the world is trying to do with so many young people especially is to tear this out of you and to put in a new way of thinking about everything. I mean, like literally everything this holds sacred and dear. The world is trying to tear that belief out of people and put in a new belief. And it has been a long play. It's been a long play through our sitcoms. It's been a long play play through television. It's been a long play through media to try to get it to that belief, that place. But what it's done is it's tried to instill new beliefs into the heart of people because it knows that as soon as it gets it in the heart of people, it will manifest in the life of people that if we can get it in the heart, it'll manifest in their life. How does Satan attack man? He doesn't come like with a, a red pitchfork and be like, you get the flu and you get the flu and you get the flu. You know what he does? Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Whenever you see the devil in scripture, whether it's Adam and Eve or Jesus, uh, when he's in the wilderness, he's coming with thoughts, he's coming with ideas, he's coming with suggestions. And he is subtle because he knows if he can get it in you, he can get it out of you. If, if he can place this in your heart, he will begin, uh, you will begin to see it in your life. Jesus addressed this in the book of Matthew. Let's go over there and look at that. Book of Matthew, chapter 15. Um, Jesus taught on this a lot. 
Um, and watch what he says here, Matthew 15 and verse number 15. And Peter said unto him, uh, Master, will you explain the teaching, the parable to us? And Jesus said, Are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed, watch this, out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Uh, my sons would love to quote that verse to their mother. Uh, so, because they don't like to wash their hands when they come home from school. But Notice, they're having a talk about keeping the law, and the Pharisees often majored on the minors, and they're like, look, like you've got to pay attention to all these rules and regulations that have been set up, and like eat with washing hands before you touch food, and all these kinds of things. And Jesus is trying to teach them, you've got it a little backwards. It is not what goes into the man that defiles the man, it's what comes out of the man. And he said, you'll watch different people, and here he gives specific sins, thefts, when someone is a thief and breaks into your car and steals something, murder, adultery, fornication, all of these types of things. He says, when these things happen on the outside, they happen where? On the inside first. That they didn't just happen. I didn't just fall into stealing a car. I didn't just trip over into it. Like I, I, I had something going on in the inside first. And because it was unaddressed in my inside world, it manifested in my outside world. Because it was not judged on the inside world, it was manifested in my outside world. Uh, that out of that, before it came into my life out here, it was long before in my heart in here. And don't you see this, like with going back to, you know, like the second sin in Scripture, which was Cain's uh, murder of Abel, that Cain gets offended. He doesn't have his, his sacrifice acceptable by God, and God comes and sits at the door, and he's like, Cain, sin is knocking on the door of your heart. Sin is knocking at the door of your heart. And if you don't judge this, it will manifest in your life. And he's so mad because Abel's sacrifice was accepted and he was not. And so what does he do? He thinks on these things. And he comes to this place where he's thinking about how unfair it is and how it's not right. He's got a victim mentality, uh, which is always dangerous. Never feel sorry for yourself. It will never take your life to a good place. And he's sitting here feeling sorry for himself. It's not fair. It's not right. God doesn't see me. God doesn't like me. God doesn't accept me, which none of that was true. God did accept him. He just didn't accept his offering. And that's what he was trying to tell me. If you did right, it would have been accepted. Just try again. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But he comes to this place where his thought life is on tilt. And Satan comes with all of these thoughts, and then all of a sudden you see him kill his brother, like literally murder Abel. And we look at this and say, how did that happen? And God tells, it says, I'll tell you how it happened. It came from his heart. He did not judge these thoughts. Same thing with David's adultery. He sees Bathsheba, and all of a sudden this thought comes into his heart. And, and we know it's evil. He knows it's evil. His servant tries to tell him it's evil. It's like, no, like that's Uriah the Hittite's wife. You know him. Do not do this. 
But this thought was so big in him, and he was not judging it nor surrendering it to God. And so adultery didn't just happen in his life. How did it happen? It came from an unsurrendered thought life. Something got in him that he did not judge, that he did not take out. And because it got into his heart, it came into his life. Now, this is not just true with like any of these bad things. It's true with good things too. Before God can get it in your life, he's got to get it in your heart. And this is what the whole principle of Mark 4 is, is that the sower comes and sows the word. Let's go there and look at it. I could quote it, but let's go look at it. We're right next door. We're in Matthew. Go over the book of Mark. Mark 4. Here, Jesus teaches a whole parable on this. And he says the following in Mark 4. In verse number 13, and he said unto them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to speak things into your heart. And these are the ones which are beside the road where the word is sown when they hear. And immediately Satan comes to take away the word which has been sown, watch this, in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but only temporary. Then affliction or persecution arises because of the word, and it immediately falls away. That's just discouragement. Um, discouragement comes in and they drop the word. They stop paying attention to it. Verse 18. And the other ones are are, are on whom the, the seed was sown among thorns. These are the ones that have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. That's distraction. We have discouragement and we have distraction coming after the word. And those are the ones which are sown on good soil. When they hear the word, accept it. One translation, the Amplified, um, and, and one of them, it's like two different Amplified, says, and pays attention to it. They got the word and paid attention to it. It goes back to what we were talking about last week with prophecies. Is, is Paul told Timothy, give yourself to the prophecies that were spoken unto you. And he says, when you give yourself, when you think about the prophecies that were spoken over you, you know what he said would happen? Your profiting will appear unto all. What's he talking to, Paul, to Timothy there about? A metamorphosis. He's like, Timothy, you want to change? You've got to think better thoughts. Well, what am I supposed to be thinking about? Think about what God has spoken over your life and let those thoughts enter into your heart. And when those thoughts enter into your heart, what God has spoken over your life, he said, Timothy, your profiting will appear unto everyone. And here, what what he's saying is, is if you pay attention to this word, let's finish it out. Uh, When you pay attention to the word, when they hear it and accept it, they'll bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and 100 fold. So here he even says, when God tries to get a thought in you, and even if you receive it, he said, according to the measure you pay attention to it, it will produce in your life. For some, they'll only get to 30%. Others will get to 60, and some will get to 100 fold. So here he's trying to teach us how to get in the perfect will of God. Uh, You know, if you want to walk in the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, you've got to renew your mind. And in Mark 4, it's like, I'm trying to get thoughts in each one of you all the time. But as soon as I get those thoughts in your heart, Satan comes immediately for those thoughts. And he uses distraction, and he uses discouragement to do anything to do what? Get your attention off the thoughts I'm trying to get in you. And he wants to give you thoughts about your children that are not worthy of praise and thoughts about your marriage that are not worthy of praise. My wife said something to me the other day, went all 
over me. I have heard so many people talk about their kids in this generation and how, oh, this is just a tough world for all these kids growing up and social media is just a different world. And like all this, the Bible literally says, if it's not worthy of praise, don't think about it. And so if you can't think that thought and and God would be like, that's a good thought. Stop thinking about it. Literally, that's what scripture says. And so we have these thoughts about our children. Like, it's so tough in social media generation. It's like, she said, like, you know what? My kids were born for this time. They were sent by God to live in this generation. They're going to take this generation for the kingdom of God. It's no accident they were born now. We didn't just decide to have them. They were sent here by God. What is that? Can you feel the faith in that? That is a seed from God. And that is literally for your kids, for our grandkids, for our nation. It is a battle of seed of what words we'll get in our hearts and which ones we will pay attention to. Why? Because if it gets in you, it's got a great chance of coming on you. Jesus said you are dirt. You only produce the seed that is sown in you. And if you allow your God's garden, if you allow these thoughts and these seeds to come to you about like, man, I've done all I can do in marriage. I just don't know what else I can do. Is that thought worthy of praise? You begin thinking those thoughts, your life will move in that direction. Like Satan comes to get God's word out of your heart and he comes to put new thoughts, ideas, and suggestions into your heart. I'll give you an example of how this works just in a practical way. So a couple of mm, weeks ago, I started coming to my wife. I pray for my kids a lot because I believe it's my responsibility to be a voice that goes before them. And so I pray for them a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And somebody says, well, how do you pray for them? More on this in a minute. But I think great thoughts concerning them. And then I speak those thoughts out. That's literally how I pray about everything. I think great thoughts about the service, and I speak those thoughts out. I think great thoughts about my wife, and I speak those thoughts out. I think great thoughts about the church, and I speak those things out. Like, literally, just think the great thoughts, speak it out, you're going to have a good prayer life. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking great thoughts about my daughter. I'm speaking those things out, and the Holy Spirit comes, and he begins to deal with me about, like, get her off social media in this season. And so, like, I believe in, in, like, a lot of inspection with the help of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe, like, in really training my children because to render them able is better than to render them safe. I don't want to never send them into the wilderness. The father led his son into the wilderness um, to be tempted to learn how to say no. So it's like this fine balance. And so like I'm in this, I'm getting this in my heart because, you know, we let her have it because she's proven herself faithful in some other things. For our son, we're like, well, not right now. Uh, but like for a reason, <laughs> we're, we're navigating those things. But I had it in my heart like something is coming. Something is coming. And so this is just coming up in my heart. So I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, you know, do you want to talk to Reese about, you know, something on social media? And, and so we just kind of let it linger, but I almost got this impression of like the Holy Spirit was like, just pray for this, pray for this and allow me to be the Holy Spirit. Um, and we mentioned this last week. Uh, you have to know like for, like for my children, I don't always have to be their pastor or the Holy Spirit. I'm their father first. So I'm okay if they have spiritual experiences and like, oh, Pastor Tyler, or oh, Pastor Brian, or oh, Pastor Will, or oh, Pastor Cray. Like, I'm okay with that. 
um, and that kind of thing, because I want to be their father and I want the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit in their life. I don't want to just be the only one telling them, watch out for that. I want them to know the voice of the good shepherd. And so anyway, I just kept praying about it. And I'm like, there's something there. And so I bind whatever's there and I speak light to that. And I, I pray that God just opens the, the heart of, of Reese and she sees. And I'm seeing all this. I'm thinking good thoughts like her looking at it and seeing. I don't need to watch this. I don't need to pay attention to this. Father, lead her and guide her in that area. Give her eyes that see what she needs to see. Give her a heart to understand what she needs to understand. Thinking those thoughts, praying those things out. And so um, she goes to this uh, summer camp experience, rocked her world. I mean, like genuinely rocked her world. And um, we could see it and that kind of thing, which was great. And I, I really had an expectation that it would. Like God really led me to pray for that camp. Because you need those moments, especially as young people, to just have zeal come on you and just burn off the world for a hot week. Like, just, you need it. Like, you need it. You need services where it's like, I repent of everything. Like, you need that. It's really healthy for you, especially in your teenage years. Uh, And so, like, when she came home, I could see the work of the consecration of God on her. And it's funny because I've sensed that in my own life. Like, I'm crying a lot. And in a good way, not in a bad way. And oftentimes, like, when you sweat, like, it's the toxins coming out of you. I've noticed, like, when God begins to move on you in a season of consecration, a lot of times it cries. And it's just something coming out of you that needs to come out. It could be pride. could be rebellion in some way. But it's just something in you paying attention to the voice of the Spirit. I could see it working on her, just a spirit of consecration. And so we were, last night, uh, in the kitchen... And we're all getting ready to go to bed, and like I'm watching her, and before I knew it, she was upstairs. I'm like, I didn't get a chance to tell her goodnight, and I'm walking to my room, I'm like, he'll be okay, Um, and that type of thing. I'll see her in the morning, and the Lord's like, nope, go up there and tell her goodnight. So I'm like, okay. So I go upstairs, and I I knock on her door, and I'm like, sis, and she's like, just a minute. And so then she comes and she opens it, like, just want to tell you goodnight, and she just breaks. And she says, you know how last year I told you how transformative it was, summer camp. I'm like, yeah. She said, it really did change me. I'm like, I know. I'm like, it was great. And she said, this year I didn't feel like it was quite as transformative. And she says, because I didn't need it to be. That that really did change me in such a way. But she said, what this this camp really made me do is like really address my day-in, day-out disciplines of where I'm at in my walk with Christ. And this is very interesting for me. I don't want to cry, so help me. Uh, But this is very interesting um, to me in this because I'm watching my kids have to walk alone a lot. Because not a lot of people are interested in living this way. And I can remember having to make that decision my senior year of high school. And it's just, it's it's interesting. Um, But man, it'll make you, the rubber will hit the road when you start making decisions like this. And she said, um, you know, I've just been on this journey, and a lot of times it feels alone. And we talk about that verse in Matthew a lot where it's like, broad is the way to destruction. Many there be that on it, but narrow and few are on the way to life. And so it's like if you look around and there's not a lot of people, it's probably the right thing. You look around, it's like everybody's doing it. There's probably sin all in there uh, and things that are toxic for your soul. Um, and so out of that, like walking this narrow path, she's, she's getting depth of soul and God is crafting out character and it's not the zeal of the moment. It's the daily disciplines needed to walk with the Lord Jesus. 
And so, like, we, I began talking to her about that, like the zeal leading to the discipline. The discipline will take you to the zeal, but the zeal will drive the disciplines. If you have all the zeal, like the really hype services, but it never changes your disciplines, what's the zeal for? And if you have all the disciplines and you never get any zeal, what's the discipline for? Like, if you go to the gym and you never see a change in the body, like, what's it for? <laughs> that kind of thing. So you, you've got to have experience with disciplines. Your disciplines will drive the experience and the experience will drive the disciplines. So we're talking about all these things. And she said, this camp really made me, like, come back and confront some things in my life. She said, I've just made a decision to, to like, take up the discipline of Bible reading every day. Take up the discipline of praying in the spirit every day. Take up the discipline to do all these things. And then she said, and to take up the discipline of eliminating social media. I'm like, well, okay. I'm like, why? And she said, before the trip... She said, I, I was on social media, and she said something came up about church camps, and it was other kids making fun of it, church camps. And she said, all, they were, these other kids were saying, all these camps do is get you emotionally tired. And when you get tired and you're sleep-deprived, you come into these camps and you have emotional Christian experiences that begin to just take you into these places that you wouldn't get to if you weren't so tired. And it's not God. And it's not, you know, the work of the spirit and like poking fun of it and all those kinds of things. It's just you're tired and you need to sleep. And she's watching this before she goes to camp from other kids. And so out of that, she said, when I got on the camp, she said, I started noticing this. Now, my daughter, she's, she's like me in this regard. She's a logical thinker. And so out of that, she thinks, she processes, and once she gets it, then she'll feel it. But she's not just diving off the, the deep end of the boat because you said there was water there. She's like, well, how deep is it? Let me watch somebody else jump in first. You know, all these other kinds of things. And so she's very logical with those things. And so she's, she's looking at this, and she's like, man, I am tired. And she's wrestling with those thoughts. You are changed by the renewal of your mind. The enemy wants to tear thoughts out of your mind and establish new ones to take its place that are built on demonic ideas and false pretenses. God comes in and says, I want to strip all these limiting beliefs out of your heart and instill the uncorruptible, untainted uh, un, un, you know, seed of the word of God in you and for you to build your life upon that rock. And, and out of that, so she's, she's dealing with this, and she's casting that thought aside. That thought would come up, and she's casting that thought aside. But then she had a breakthrough because somebody got over in the spirit. And the speaker got up, and the speaker literally said this, and some of you, before you came on this trip, saw things that told you all we were trying to do is get you sleep-deprived, where you could have emotional experiences. But what you are experiencing is the spirit of God, and what this is is real, and it's God trying to mark you for good for what he's called you to do. Just, like, start speaking life at that exact word. And what did it did? God came for that belief. And he's stripping out that belief and placing a new one. And she just made a decision like she saw. If you think you see the devil, you don't. He is subtle. He is subtle. He disguises himself as an angel of light. And oftentimes it, it appears the wisdom that he gives is like a parade of thoughts that oftentimes, you know what it does? It makes sense. And he comes to this place where it's this wisdom that descends from the devil, but it's devilish in nature. 
And it tries to war against these things where it's, it's, it's dealing in, in what is a fake, false truth. And here's the problem with it. I said this last week, but the Lord told me, come back to it. When you listen to the lie, you empower the liar. When you listen to the lie, you empower the liar. And so the more I listen to those lies from the enemy, I give the enemy more access into my heart and into my life. When you listen to the lie, you empower the liar. But when you listen to God, you empower the spirit of God in your life to start building in you who you are in Christ. Uh, And so we need to come back to this principle of to think great things. Uh, Now I'll close with this. Let's go over this final verse of scripture. And then we'll, we'll end with this. Go to Philippians chapter 4. We've quoted this verse, um, but I want to major on it in closing. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9. And Hillary, can you pull up for me Nehemiah 6.3? Nehemiah 6.3. We're going to Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice, you need something guarding your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, and I love Paul because he's like, finally, and here's like, here's five more verses. Finally, brethren, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, a repute, if there is any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell and think on these things. Let's go back and read that again. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... Whatever is of a good report, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So somebody is sick in your life, what is a thought worthy of praise? Because oftentimes an evil thought makes sense. I should be so concerned. Like, are they okay? I hope they're okay. And we come back with these thoughts that are based in sense knowledge and not in knowledge of God's word. A great thought is God's going to heal them. They're going to come off that bed. God's going to restore them. There's going to be life given unto them. God's like, yes, child, yes, 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 yes. Is it worthy of praise? Um, The biggest thing with winning the battle of the mind is coming back and thinking, is the thought that I'm thinking worthy of praise? When something is going on in my life financially, you sitting there being anxious about that and fearing that bad news is not worthy of praise. Fear is the enemy's world. Faith is where God dwells. Like, we're not going to be these people who fear all the negative news. They're trying to sell you things. Like, literally, every time you click the ad, they just made money. Every time you click to read the article, that's how they make their money. So they lace it with fear to get you to click. And it puts thoughts in us that are not worthy of praise. And it's like, though the earth fades away, God sits in the heavens and laughs. God's got me. God's got my family. God's got my job. God's going to take care of me. The Lord will provide. And God's like, yes, child, yes. It's a thought that is worthy of praise. And faith is simply acting like you have a God who loves you. And thinking those thoughts, something comes up where they tell you something about your children, something about your child. What is a thought worthy of praise? God's turning it around. God will be faithful to his word. 
God will, will make a way. God will guide them. Like, begin to think great thoughts and then speak those things over their lives. I was meditating on this verse, and I couldn't help but to think of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah in the Old Testament was rebuilding the city walls. And, of course, whenever you're looking to build something for God, Satan tries to get you to come down off that work. And he used, you, you read the story of Nehemiah, it's Mark 4. He uses distraction and he uses discouragement. Anything we can do to distract you from building something great, anything we can do to discourage you from building something great, we're going to come and we're going to throw, throw those things at you until you stop building a great work. And Nehemiah finally had enough. And this is what he said to him. Say, say it where everybody can hear you, Pastor Hillary. Everybody can hear you. What did Nehemiah say? Oh, come on. I am doing a great work right now. I will not come down for you. And when you are walking with the word of the Holy Spirit and Satan comes with all of his lies about where you're going and the direction it's going in, you just say, no, I am building a great work right now. I'm not thinking those thoughts. I am not coming down for you. When, when you're praying good things over, and, and this just keeps coming in my heart, praying good things over your children, over your grandchildren, and you hear the news about, well, they did this and they did that, and you feel concerned come up and you say, no, I am doing a great work. I will not come down from this wall. I will be a watchman on the wall. I'll proclaim these things over my children. I'll proclaim these things over them. Proclaim great things over your health. Proclaim great things over your job. Proclaim great things over your finances. Well, Pastor Joe, you don't know what's going on at the job, but no one likes me. It's that thought worthy of praise. Think like God can give me favor in a moment. Tomorrow can be so different. Like God can give me the favor he put on Joseph, and all of a sudden I'm running the whole prison. It's amazing what God can do. It's like, go God. And God's like, yes, worthy of praise. Like that is, is, is the direction God wants us to go in. And we're not going to see our lives move towards the perfect will of God unless we come back and we strip out all of these beliefs that go contrary to the promises God has made us and instill in our hearts what God has said. There's a war for your soul, a war for your mind. And I want you to come to this place where it's like, nope, I will think great thoughts. And I will not come down for any negative report about anything in my life. God's word is my foundation. God's word is what I feed myself. God's word is what I speak. God's word is what I will think. God's word will be the center of my life. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and let's worship the Lord.